0: Pray for us, Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we're in chapter 13 of the letter to the Romans. We'll just have uh, 14, 15, and 16, and uh, we will have seen the whole letter to the Romans, which is a very great grace. I'm going to use the translation. The NAB is a fine translation, but I think that for what we're doing... I'm going to use the translation by Father Joseph Fitzmaier. It's in the Anchor Bible. And uh, I think it's a little easier for us to, to grasp. The point of this chapter is how do we relate to the rest of the community? How do we relate to civil authority? This is key. Now, by this time already, or shortly thereafter, there's real persecution um, Mostly because the Christians would not worship the gods of the establishment. They'll obey the, 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 the ruler, keep the laws, and all the rest, but the gods of the establishment are these demons. They don't know their dwellings, some of them know their demons. Um, and the whole purpose of religion was not to bring man to an eternal salvation, but to guarantee the equilibrium of the state. It's a state function. Morality was not part of religion necessarily. Of course, gross immorality wouldn't be either, but morality was dealt with by philosophy. And so, in every public square in a Mediterranean city, there was somebody teaching philosophy. That's why they're called the Stoa, from the porch in Athens where Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, they all taught. The public, anybody could come. And it's there that you learn the purpose of life. And the philosophers were right. What is the purpose of life? The goal of life? To be happy. That's the goal of life. So when the Christians came along and joined the philosophers, they're going to say, What? I've got a better way to be happy. In this world and in the next, virtue is the way to be happy. And non-virtue is the way to be sad, wretched, lonely, whatever. Virtue is the only way to happiness. And so, but this chapter is going to teach of one part of that. That is uh, relating to the government. And I want to go into some detail about that in the time that we have. The text begins, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist have been set up by God. So, it's divine providence that we have Emperor Nero. We have to respect his authority. We don't have to yield to his wishes. We certainly don't have to uh, worship false gods because that's when their authority is no longer valid. The famous trial of Polycarp as it's come down to us in a probably an embellished uh, account, but a beautiful account. Polycarp was 90 years old and they arrested him and were trying him for being a Christian. What was the charge against the Christians in the first two, two or three centuries? Atheism. Because they would not worship the gods of the establishment. That's when we'll pray to God, we'll obey the emperor, we'll help the poor, but we cannot worship because that is not God. Only God is God. So they were called atheists. Interesting, isn't it? And so, you see, Polycarp was called an atheist. And as he, the crowd was shouting out, he called back, I'm not an atheist, you are! You have no gods. You've only got demons. He's 90 years old and he's defending himself. So finally, they're going to burn him. And uh, it's very interesting what happens there, you see. And in the text, it says that he began to pray. He was saying the canon of the Mass. Bishop, 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 you're mixed up. No, I'm not mixed up. Now I'm offering myself with Jesus so I can say the canon of the Mass in a way I could never have said it before. Because now I'm totally identified with the victim, which is the purpose of Mass. To join Jesus in that act of love in which he gives himself totally to the Father, that's what all the saints did, and some did it through death, like Polycarp, And so... Uh, it's a touchy business how to relate to the government. Pray for them, love them, forgive them, obey all their just laws always. But speak up. Speak up for the good of the whole commonwealth, Christian and otherwise. And I'm going to give you some text in that way by philosophers. Uh, okay. And so the text says, therefore, see, His authority comes from God. Those which exist have been set up by God. Consequently, anyone who resists authority opposes what God has instituted. Such opponents will bring judgment on themselves. Just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I can oppose all authority. I can oppose sin. But not all authority. Isn't this powerful? And of course... There have been Christians pondering this. We're not the first generation to be faced with the question of Christian obedience to the state. Um, you see? For rulers are not a terror uh, to good conduct, only to evil. Now we're going to see how true that is when the Judeo-Christian tradition becomes the foundation for thinking about the state. And it does that in Europe through Christianity. The Creator is the source of the state. And obedience to the Creator is the only foundation for human rights. The state doesn't give rights. God gives rights. Because He's the Creator. When that got firmly fixed in place, you see, then that is the source of authority. God Now it could be a monarchy a oligarchy, a democracy It doesn't have to be just a democracy but experience shows it seems that that's the best form of government Unless Socrates, Aristotle and Plato formed a triumvirate and decided they'd rule because they were very smart and they all wrote documents on the republic because it's so important how we live how we live in common and when christians came along and became monotheists and that stayed until monotheism and christianity became the state religion in what year everybody remember that who was the one who did that you must remember that constantine 313 so paul is giving some basic principles here the word of god you see would you be free from fear of the bearer of authority then do what is right. Then you will gain his authority. If you're doing 95 miles an hour down the speed pipe, or what they call the, the, the speedway, the, the highway, and the cop pulls you over, do you have reason to fear? You bet. Why? Because he's a cop? No, because you broke the law. That's why. And that's a valid, good law. We can't have people driving 90 miles an hour down the highway. They'll kill other people. That's a good and just law. A law, by the way, this is St. Thomas' definition, is an ordination of reason um, made by the one who has the care for the community and promulgated. It has to be made known. And so, um, for he is God's servant working for you good, but if you do wrong, then be afraid, for he does not carry the sword for nothing. He is God's servant as avenger bringing wrath upon the wrongdoer. Therefore one must be subject not only because of such wrath but because of one's conscience. Just law. It's against the law to steal, isn't it? Now we have shocking examples of rich stealing from poor but it's against the law because it's an ordination of reason that people have a right to their property And don't have to be afraid of it being stolen or taken away from them by force. That's a sin. And it's against the good government, the good ordinance of the state. You see? Uh, For this reason, you pay taxes. So you can support the government. Now, there have been marvelous um, theoreticians of this, how Christians live in the state for years. Uh, Aquinas has some certainly in our own day we have many you see pay them you see revenue to whom revenue to respect to whom and honor to whom honor is due now that's the foundation he just lays the principles now as I say there's only 14 verses in this chapter he goes on uh, Paul goes on to uh, speak to us about uh, all these pages I'm turning are bibliography on the first seven verses of Romans 13. So you can see there's a lot written. Now, it's the debt of love that fulfills the law. And so the text begins again, you see. Owe nothing to anybody. That's verse uh, whoops, 13. You see. Owe nothing to Oh, I've skipped a space. I'm sorry. We're back on verse eight. Um, excuse me. Um, um, it's a little easier. Maybe I'll have to use the Bible. Because the text is mixed up with commentary here Which is very good Well here it is now Owe nothing to anyone Save that of loving one another For the one who loves Has fulfilled the law Now what law? What law? God's law Yes but man's law Can anybody by loving Offend the government? No Unless I stand up for somebody whom the government is persecuting, which happens lots of places in the world, but by loving itself, there's no law against that. If I have $10 and I want to give it to this beggar, is it against the law? No. You see? For the one who loves has fulfilled the law. Now he's talking about the Torah. The Torah would make you a perfectly good citizen. The commandments, do not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, or any other commandment is summed up in this one. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does nothing wrong, for it is the fulfillment of the law.